Thank you for joining us for this episode today. We're joined by Dr. Mitch Eibach from Vance Thompson Vision, and we're going to be talking about goggles in glaucoma on the OI Show. Well, thanks again for joining us for the uh, for the OI Show. We're excited to have um, to have Mitch with us to talk to us today about some really, really new technologies that are going on in the world today. Mitch, it's it's always exciting to see you. We uh, went to school together. Uh, I'm originally from South Dakota, which is where he practices. So we've had these connections, but we just don't see each other as often as we would like to. So it's really cool to have you as a guest. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Dave. It's a real honor and a neat um, feather in my hat to be one of the early invites to the OI podcast. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're stoked to have you. So, Mitch, tell us a little bit about your practice and uh, and what you're doing. You uh, you're practicing with Advanced Thompson, and and for those who don't know, Vance Thompson is is really an innovator in in, in the 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 Midwest. Uh, Vance himself has done some really cool things, but I don't know. And I'm going to put this out there in the podcast if you know this, Mitch. But when I was going to South Dakota State University, I was debating on what kind of medicine I wanted to go into. And Vance invited me down and I got to hang out with him in a day in clinic and, you know, I was sold an eye care and, uh, and Vance has a little bit to do with that. And now full circle, you're there with him. So tell us about Vance Thompson and tell us about you and what you're doing at the practice. Yeah, Vance Thompson Vision. So we're an anterior segment uh, tertiary referral center. So we handle cornea, cataracts, glaucoma, refractive surgery. We do some tough dry eye as well, really everything in the front part of the eye. And optometry is really our lifeline for referrals. Most of the patients that I see are referred in. I do have a long-term kind of more moderate to severe glaucoma practice as well that continues to grow. Uh, In our practice, it's an optometrist, ophthalmologist kind of collaborative care clinic. So we work as teams, the optometrists and the ophthalmologists. And so I work alongside Vance all the time and he is really, you know, kind of the top. Uh, of our yeah. practice, his personality and his emotional intelligence kind of builds through our whole practice. But I specifically work on a day-to-day basis with John Berdahl, who is an ophthalmologist, uh, did his surgery fellowship at Minnesota Eye Consultants in cornea and glaucoma. And so that's kind of our subspecialty and where I spend most of our time. Yeah. And John is just such a stud as well. And uh, so you guys are on the front line of all this stuff. I mean, you guys are are getting first looks and, and, and first glances and you guys use it first in clinic on so many different things on the cataract front and on the glaucoma, all different anterior saying. What, what's, what's exciting? What's uh, coming out that maybe not a lot of people have heard of or that uh, is out right now that you just don't think is being used as much as it should? Yeah. And so we're very fortunate. We do a lot of both FDA clinical trials, as well as industry-sponsored clinical trials, as well as some investigator-initiated trials. And so research is a huge part of our practice. And it's really something that I enjoy. It's something that brings energy to me. And so we get to see all of these new technologies in cornea, cataracts, refractive surgery, and glaucoma. And and hopefully not only maybe be ahead of the curve, but help set the curve and bring some of these technologies to market. Yeah, well, you guys have certainly done that already. I know a lot of people in both optometry and ophthalmology who get to hear your doctors, you, uh, Justin, uh, you know, speak around the country 
get to really take part and hear some of that knowledge. So it's not just that hopefully, I mean, it's being done. Yeah. You guys are innovating in some really cool ways. Well, thank you. One, you know, deep at heart, I'm probably a little bit of a glaucoma nerd. Yeah. And so one thing that I'm really excited about is Equinox, a company that's actually started by John Berdahl, who I work with mm-hmm. in multi-pressure dial. We're mm-hmm. hoping as it's currently going through FDA clinical trials, we're hoping that this is going to be the first non-pharmaceutical, non-invasive surgical way of lowering interocular pressure and treating glaucoma. And there is a whole backstory yeah. to Equinox and multi-pressure dial and how this got started. But we're really hoping that this can be an avenue to treat some of our toughest patients in glaucoma. Yeah. And yeah. So if people haven't heard of the Equinox, I yeah. mean, it's this goggle system, it's this dial system and, and IOPs at night right? We don't have any idea what's happening. And we yep. know that they're spiking. Just explain what, what Equinox is, first of all. So let me kind of start with the story of how sure. Equinox came to be. And so John, who I work with, is actually on his honeymoon. And rather than spending time with his wife, he was thinking about when he goes scuba diving, <laughs> if he goes 30 feet or 60 feet underwater, that uh. build of atmospheric pressure on our whole body and our eye, how does that not cause instant glaucoma. The eye almost explodes, right? Sure. And it's not because that we're just talking about pressure inside the eye, it's pressure throughout the body. And so this kind of led him down the path of when we go 30 or 60 feet underwater, our interocular pressure rises, but so does our intracranial pressure. And so maybe glaucoma is not so much the pressure inside the eye, but the imbalance of pressure inside the eye and then directly what's behind the eye or intracranial pressure. Mm -hmm. And so his theory and what I've come to believe and and many others have too in the glaucoma space is that glaucoma is no longer just a one pressure disease with interocular pressure. It's a combination of interocular pressure, intracranial pressure, ocular perfusion pressure, episcleral venal pressure. I mean, we could talk pressures all day, but we think it's much more of an imbalance of Mm. pressure inside the eye and pressure directly behind the eye or intracranial Mm. pressure. And hopefully Mm -hmm. this makes sense because this can kind of can define why we have patients with low pressure that still get glaucoma. Right. In the U S low tension glaucoma is a real thing. And some of our toughest patients, but if you look outside of the U S you look in Asia and Japan and in some of these other places, low tension glaucoma dominates. And so how do we take care of these patients that already have low pressure? Second, how do we take care of pressures who or patients, excuse me, who are progressing mostly at night where some of our treatments, our medications don't work as well. And then how do we take care of patients who are right before going to that final step, which is an incisional glaucoma surgery, like a, a tube shunt or a trabeculectomy? Huh? Huh? That's really interesting. So how did John, uh, conceptualize putting this into play and as, as a treatment, how did the, did, did he think about a helmet first? That, yeah. That was, so <laughs> that was one of my first questions. And when I present or lecture on this material, I'll get someone that will come up and say, why don't we just put a fishbowl on all of our heads? And I was like, you're right. And then I had to go back to him and ask why that isn't right. And it's because we just want to release the pressure directly in front of the eye. And so a couple important points first, how he got here is he has this type of mindset and personality where once there's a scratch, he has to itch it until he Mm -hmm. finds Mm -hmm. the answer. And so after he had this idea on his honeymoon, he went back and then studied patients at Mayo Clinic in Rochester who had lumbar punctures. 
So they could measure their intracranial pressure. And then they stratified out intracranial pressure for patients who have low tension glaucoma, patients who are normal patients. So that was the control group, patients who had open angle glaucoma, and then patients who have ocular hypertension. And he did this study, Ren, uh, another doctor did this study as well. And so there's two studies that kind of pool together and the data came out the same in both sets. Patients who have low tension glaucoma had the lowest intracranial pressure. So think low eye pressure, but even lower intracranial pressure. So we still have this imbalance of pressure along the optic nerve. Patients with ocular hypertension, highest eye pressure also had the highest intracranial pressure. And so they have still just less imbalance. And so what we believe and what Equinox believes is that translaminar pressure difference or the difference in pressure across the optic nerve is what really matters in glaucoma. And so then once he found that out, it actually took kind of a side route to trying to treat astronauts going into space and using this pair of goggles to push pressure onto the eye to be able to counteract when we don't have the gravity causing us to all have a lower intracranial pressure, all of that fluid of the cerebrospinal fluid cord comes up and astronauts are getting papilledema. And so the company took kind of a whole sidewinding trip, but now where it's at is if you think about us all being pressurized bodies where we have a thumb kind of pressing, pressing down on all of us, which is atmospheric pressure. If we can separate the front part of the eye from atmospheric pressure with a pair of goggles, just like a pair of swim goggles, those goggles are attached to a tubing. That tubing is attached to a pump that pulls out pressure, applies negative pressure. Then you're lessening the amount of pressure pushing onto the cornea, which translates to less interocular pressure. Hmm. What, uh, what has been done and shown in some studies since then, and how are you measuring uh, pressure behind a goggle and how does, yeah. how does that all work? Yeah. So it's been really interesting. Research was very new to me coming out of optometry school and residency. And then the research that I am fortunate to do is most commonly phase 2B or phase 3 FDA clinical trials where all of the very early stuff has been done already. Yeah. And so this, this was really a grassroots from the ground up type of research where we were just trying to figure out how we measure it. um, Can we measure it? Yep. And so a lot of the data, unfortunately, I can't speak of because it's in FDA clinical sure. trials yep. right now. But what we've seen is patients do well with the goggles and it's analogous to wearing a CPAP. And so okay. the thought is patients will just wear this at night. If we can lower the pressure at night for six to eight hours, hopefully that releases some of the imbalance between the optic nerve and the intracranial pressure and optic and interocular pressure. Yeah. And then we have axonal flow. We have transport nutrients getting to the optic nerve and that's not fully understood. That's the theory though. And hopefully if this, you know, makes it through FDA clinical trials, then we'll be able to show all of that data. And uh, so where in the process does it need to go still? Is it something that's early stage end stage? Is it uh, something we could look at in 2022 you think, or what do you think? The goal of the company is to hopefully have this approved by the FDA in 2022, maybe (laughs) even late 2021. That's the goal. There's currently a low tension glaucoma study, which I'm a sub investigator in that's going on right now. And hopefully if all things go well there, where, you know, it will be submitted to the FDA, it will be reviewed and then, and hopefully approved. 
So, um, you know, I, I realized that this isn't your company or anything yeah. like that, but uh, obviously you're very close to it because of uh, John and you get to mm-hmm. work with him. So how would you envision, you know, future thinking, you know, I, that I would use this in clinic? Uh, is this something where I would uh, I would prescribe this to my patient? They would then order it. And uh, how does that go about? Because most of us optometrists, we know yeah. how to prescribe drops. We know how to you know, work with our glaucoma specialist for surgical procedures, but this is kind of different. Yeah. So how would we go great, about this? Great and, and really and important one more question, question on that yep. to, to include is who am I going to give it to? Yeah. Great and important questions. I'm going to kind of answer them one at a time sure. in reverse order. First, who would you give this to? Yeah. In your patients with ocular hypertension, mild glaucoma, we have a myriad of really good options, right? We have drops, we have now drug delivery devices. We have minimally invasive glaucoma surgeries. We have laser therapy or SLT. We have big surgeries. And so I think the mild patients are probably not the ones that are Mm -hmm. going to get this. Even moderate, well-controlled IOP patients, probably not the patient that I would prescribe multi-pressure dial to or these balanced goggles. Patients with severe glaucoma, especially patients with severe glaucoma who are progressing despite a good eye pressure. Because one of the theories is, and hopefully it will be proven, is that this works pretty independently of where we start. One thing with glaucoma is we all have our episcleral venous pressure, that pressure that pushes back against aqueous outflow through our natural drain. And there's a floor of about Mm -hmm. eight to 11 millimeters of mercury. And so if this can kind of work past that for some of those patients who have severe glaucoma and are progressing despite a lot of treatment options, I think that's the patient. I think the second one is a patient who has low tension glaucoma. I think there is an unmet need in low tension glaucoma. We have some new, good, evolving topical medications, but I think there's still room to grow in that space. And so that's who I think you would prescribe this to. As far as optometry being involved here, Equinox wants to be in a very, very optometry favorable company. You know, optometrists prescribing this, if they feel comfortable doing it is is the ultimate goal because there's a lot of these patients in optometric practices. And so the collaborative care approach is exactly what the goal is here. As far as prescribing them, you would work through the company to get them ordered. They're custom made. So again, analogous to a CPAP where they could, there's some different sizes, you get them fitted to the patient. And one of the nice things is there's maybe a way to show both wear time. So how long does the eye pressure get treated? And so you have a way to kind of look at compliance as well. Mm -hmm. And you could get some data and some feedback from this, but it would mostly be you're doing a kind of not direct to patient from your office, but rather ordering it through a company that company then sends to the patient. So it's a durable medical equipment or a DME pathway or route. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have uh, some goggles that some of my patients use for dry eye and, you know, it's kind of a 50, 50, but you know, it'd be really interesting to know the statistics of people who start with a CPAP who end with a CPAP. And I haven't really ever heard of too many people that start with a CPAP that don't yeah. go the whole route. Right. Um, and uh, this is kind of different because it's a, a goggle that you have on your eyes. Um, it looks comfortable from what I've seen of pictures of it. Um but it's one of those concerns that we as optometrists might have is like, well, I don't know if I really want, but yep. it's this concept of, well, think about other areas that have dealt with disruptive sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And how this this could disrupt your sleep and how people kind of get over that, right? 
like I'm a side sleeper or a stomach sleeper and I can't do CPAP. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, many people have learned how to sleep on their back with CPAPs and do very well. Yep. So I'm sure that's been something that Equinox has been thinking of too. Most, most definitely. And it's nice to have CPAP kind of trailblaze some of those questions. And there's yeah. definitely been clinical studies done on comfort and it's actually quite good. They've done some interesting kind of hypnosis psychology reviews of, of ways of telling patients they need to wear this that actually got um, much better adoption and wearing, but comfort is going to be super, super important for this yeah. to be successful and a viable route for patients. But I'll ask you, Dave, I'm, I'm sure you have a glaucoma patient or two, maybe many that come in every single time. And the most important thing they want to know is what's my number? Right. What's my number? What's my pressure? Yeah. And so some of these patients getting efficacy, getting a non-progressive visual field when we don't have a lot of other options, they're willing to take some strides and have some uh, bumps in the road to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And bringing up to them that your number right now might not be the most important number. It's what's your number going like throughout your, you know, the entirety of the day and night. And so sharing with them, you know, so it's amazing how we don't have problems until we have solutions. We're going to talk again about nighttime IOP and nighttime Mm -hmm. pressure and this discussion that you're bringing up and leading us into intracranial, all those pressures, venous pressure, right, uh, is going to really be something I think we talk about in this next generation of glaucoma education. Yeah, you know, I think glaucoma is fun right now because there's just so many options. It was maybe stagnant for a little bit and then minimally invasive glaucoma surgeries came about and now drug delivery came about and we have new topical medications. And so I think Glaucoma has gotten a lot more fun in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly has. Well, Mitch, this was awesome. I really enjoyed learning about this. I knew a tiny bit, but uh, this is just really exploding. Thank you for helping us uh, learn more about goggles and glaucoma. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. Thanks again for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Optometric Insights Show. We sure appreciate you, Mitch, joining us. And uh, if you would like and subscribe, it would be a great way for you to stay up to date on current topics and uh, our future episodes. 